Support comes from Empower Missouri, providing in-person and virtual training to become an advocate for Missourians living in poverty. Registration for Empower Missouri's March 27th Advocacy Day is at empowermissouri.org WOA. Hi, everybody. This is Jason Rosenbaum, a political correspondent with St. Louis Public Radio. St. Louis Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner is planning to step down on June 1st after a torrent of turmoil swept her office. She agreed to leave in exchange for scuttling legislation that would exert more state control over her office and the St. Louis Police Department. Gardner was facing crises on multiple fronts, including a removal attempt from Missouri Attorney General Andrew Bailey. And the GOP official was critical of her decision to leave on June 1st, as opposed to right away. Bailey spoke with me on Friday, May 5th, about Gardner's departure and what needs to be done to stabilize the St. Louis Circuit Attorney's Office. I started the conversation by asking Bailey about who Governor Mike Parson should choose as Gardner's successor. Well, I'm confident the governor's going to make a solid decision there. He always has great appointments, and he, he's a sheriff who's worked closely with prosecutors throughout his career, so he knows exactly what that office needs and what it takes to enforce the criminal code of the state of Missouri, hold wrongdoers accountable, and find justice for victims. And I think those are the criteria he's looking for, and certainly he's well-versed in, in what it takes to run that kind of office. What would you say to the contention that it may make sense to find a Democratic successor to Gardner because that person could have a better chance of winning an election and maintain continuity that seems desperately needed in that office? The most important thing is that you get somebody in there who's competent and and will enforce the rule of law and find justice for victims. I mean, the, whoever is appointed is going to have an enormous task ahead of them to deal with the backlog of warrant referrals from the police department, analyze the cases that are currently pending that are set for trial, and analyze the, the, the cases that have been dismissed that are still within the statute of limitations where there may be a, a, a good case there. And so there, there's a lot of work to do, and, and that, that's not really a partisan issue. It's, it's an issue of competence and, and willingness to enforce the law. I'm glad you mentioned that. It actually segues nicely into my next question. I was talking with former Deputy Attorney General Joe Danderand uh, before Gardner stepped down, and he mentioned that it's very common for prosecutors to assist nearby jurisdictions. What would you want to do as Attorney General to maybe convene regional prosecutors in in the St. Louis area to figure out some sort of plan to deal with the extreme caseload problem at the circuit attorney's office. Yeah, I mean, happy to assist when called upon to do so. There, I know there are regional leaders who view crime in this area as a regional issue and would be happy to, to lend a hand in support. And certainly there are resources at the state level that have been offered to the circuit attorney in years past that she declined. And so there are there are organizations, institutions that are available at her disposal or at the, the, whoever the appointee whoever's appointed, there will be resources at their disposal to, to assist. And certainly, I think the entire region is ready to step up and, and see whoever's appointed be successful because crime is a regional issue. Now, this is going to be a basic question, but I just want our listeners to, to understand this. Uh, could you talk about what your office does to assist like counties and other local jurisdictions when they ask for your office's help with, with particularly criminal cases? Yeah, certainly. We've got 22 prosecutors on staff, hundreds of years of combined prosecutorial experience. We handle 100 percent of all felony appeals in the state of Missouri. So cops catch the bad guys, prosecutors lock them up, and then we spend the next 5, 10, 
15 years keeping him locked up. But at the, the prosecution level, at the trial court level, the attorney general's office gets involved in one of two ways, either where the local judge disqualifies the prosecuting attorney for a appearance of impropriety or another conflict of interest, or where the local prosecutor asks for assistance. And we see that most often in rural counties where maybe you have a part-time prosecutor or the, the size and scope of a case maybe exceeds the bandwidth of the office. And so we have uh, resources ready to deploy in the fight against violent crime. Yeah, and that was going to be my next question. How involved is your office willing to be to help relieve the caseload of the assistant circuit attorneys? And does your office have enough staff to make a meaningful impact here? Well, again, we stand ready to assist when called upon to do so and where appropriate. We do have enough staff to offer assistance. That staff is available across the state now. And so, uh, you know, it's going to be up to whoever the governor appoints to determine what their need is and whether there are resources available locally and whether there are resources available regionally and what, if any, resources they're going to need from the state. So let's talk about the the resignation. What was your reaction on Thursday when Gardner announced that she would be stepping down? Well, I'm, I'm optimistic and hopeful. This is a great first step, but at the end of the day, she's still in office, and there is no rational basis for her to stay there until June 1st. My other problem with it is, is that nowhere in the four corners of her resignation letter does she acknowledge the problems that got us to this point. Does she acknowledge her unlawful refusal to do her job and the fact that people are being hurt and killed and property is being destroyed because of her refusal to do her job? So she wants to get out of town in order to avoid uh, the legislature passing a bill, and people are celebrating that. And I'll, I'll, I will be pleased when she's out of office because that will mean we can start to restore the rule of law and find justice for victims. Uh, she has said that she is leaving because the legislature is going to scuttle uh, a bill, which you just alluded to, that would exert more state influence on the circuit attorney's office and the St. Louis Metropolitan Police Department. From a policy perspective, do you think that that is a good exchange for the city of St. Louis? Well, I'm not going to get involved in in dealing away uh, bills in the General Assembly in exchange for the circuit attorney to resign. That's up to them. I mean, I don't have any control over what bills are introduced or how they move through the General Assembly. What I'm responsible for is the Quo Ronto action to hold her accountable and remove her from office. And we're going to keep pushing that forward and, and, until such time as she's from out of office and has either signed a consent decree agreeing not to run for that office in the future or a judge has, has removed her or the judge dismisses the suit. But we're not going to stop punching until the bell rings. And you know, look, I there's got to be some kind of structural reform here that prevents this kind of problem from happening in the future. I, I, I call on the Senate to en- enact that provision in the bill that would bar her from future office. That's an excellent first step in a structural reform. And then, again, we need to take a deeper dive and a longer look and analysis into how we got here and what, what, what we can do to prevent it going forward. You have said that you are not going to dismiss your effort to oust Gardner from office uh, before June 1st. Uh, Why have you decided to do that? And will your office even have standing after June 1st, or will you have to dismiss that case similarly to when Attorney General Chris Coster's office dismissed the last quo waranto against then-Dent County Prosecutor uh, Jessica Sparks in 2009? And just for context, she ended up resigning. They dropped the case. Is that going to be a similar thing here? Well, it remains to be seen. First and foremost, the circuit attorney is still in office. And unless and until she's out of office, the court retains personal jurisdiction over her and subject matter jurisdiction over the quo. 
if she, you know, lawsuits don't go away on their own, parties have to go to court and ask for those lawsuits to be dismissed. And so it's going to be incumbent upon her if she thinks it's moot to argue that in front of a judge, and a judge is going to have to make that determination. Why do you think it is significant that she's resigning on June 1st? Some people would say, you know, people got what they wanted. Her departure date isn't is kind of immaterial to the actual actions here. Uh, what would you well, say to that? that to all the, yeah, no, tell that to all the victims who won't have their day in court, who won't receive justice between now and June 1st. Tell that to all the victims who, you know, tell that to anyone who's going to get hurt because there's a violent offender out on bond because the, the circuit attorney won't do her job. I mean, how much more damage can she do between now and June 1st? In the last two weeks, she's missed a murder trial and a first-degree assault trial. So, yeah, I mean, there are people that are suffering and that will continue to suffer between now and June 1st. That's an arbitrary date. It has no basis in, in fact law or, or, or in, in, there's no rational basis for it. And so, you know, she, she needs to, to go now. She does not acknowledge that she's done anything wrong. She just wants to trade away her office in exchange for stymieing legislative action. And at the end of the day, we're fighting to hold her accountable. Would it would it be possible for Gardner's successor to turn over the information that your office is seeking through the subpoena, perhaps voluntarily as opposed through a subpoena? Like, in other words, if the quo if the quo waranto is dismissed, is it possible that whoever Parson ends up appointing could still give you that information so you could showcase to the public the deficiencies in the office, so to speak. Absolutely. I think after you did the Quo Moranto, there were a number of critics who said you were doing it for political purposes and there was no chance it would actually mean anything. What would you say to that now, especially since it's it's widely seen that the Quo Moranto was one of the reasons that she had this pressure point to step down? Since day one, I've been committed to restoring the rule of law and finding justice for victims in St. Louis and across the region. My efforts at the Quo Moranto were targeted at precisely that. And there have been a number of other elected officials who have called for her to resign and, and, and uh, allow the process to take place to restore and rebuild the criminal justice system in the city of St. Louis. And until she's gone, that can't start to happen. We're going to keep fighting to achieve that goal so there could be a brighter dawn ahead for the future of the, the people of the city of St. Louis and for this region and this state. Final question. What do you think the big takeaway from this entire saga will be in the annals of history? That you, you cannot allow outside money to elect a local prosecutor who wants to dismantle the criminal justice system. We should be suspect of what motivates that outside out-of-state money to flow into this state to buy a state uh, to buy an elected office that then allows them to nullify law by refusing to enforce the laws as written. I mean, government is guided by statute. Authority is provided to officials in statute. And rather than doing her job, she was more interested in doing other things like going to nursing school. So there's got to be long-term structural reform to prevent this from ever happening again. For more on the aftermath of Gardner's resignation, go to stlpr.org. I'm Jason Rosenbaum, and thank you for listening. a smart speaker, you have access to the entire world of NPR and St. Louis Public Radio. 
All the latest news and all the captivating stories. Activate our voices with yours by telling your smart speaker to play St. Louis Public Radio.